Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. Whether you are in Gospel Saving Church or you're listening to us online or you've gotten a CD from somebody, hey, bless God. Praise God. I'm glad you've taken your time out of your busy life to make God important to you for this uh, about an hour's worth of His Word. For the Word of God says anytime we take and put the God and things of God more important than the things we're doing, that that makes God smile and that makes God happy. If this is your first time that you are listening to me today, hello, I'm Pastor Ed, and I come to you from McKinney, Texas, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days, and this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. All right, well, we always start with a word of prayer and ask God to help us understand His Word, among other things, because we know the Word says that only He can help us understand the Word of God, not we can't do it in our own, in our own capabilities. So if you guys please join me in a word of prayer, I would appreciate it. Thank you so much, dear God. For your word, and thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here. Thank you so much, Lord, for truth. Lord God, for truth. And your word, Lord, is truth. Lord, the world and people in the world are full of lies. Lord, as your word of God, your word says that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one, the wicked one, so we know that he is the father of lies, Lord, which would all make logical sense, Lord God, that the world is full of lies and the people in it full of lies, Lord. But we love truth, Lord, and I pray. For all of those out there that are seeking truth, Lord God, that they would hear the truth today, Lord, of your word and of the things of your word and the things of you, and that, Lord, those truths would impact them. Those truths would, would mean something to them, Lord God, and those truths, Lord God, would change their minds, and those truths, I pray, would change then their hearts and then their lives. Of course, Lord, for we know that's how repentance starts. Lord, repentance starts in the mind. Yeah. starts in the heart, Lord God. We know that without repentance, without the true changing of a heart or mind, Lord, then the actions of the person won't change. So, Lord, please let your word today and the truths of your word bring repentance, Lord, to all those that listen, Lord, that are doing the things that your word says not to do, Lord. And we just ask all these things and we pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So you can turn today, we're going to be in two main sections of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15 and Deuteronomy chapter 12. Again, those are the sections that we'll be in today, and I will read them and I will teach them a little bit. But first, my thoughts from last week's message, the lying sin. Last week, we studied the lying sin of Ananias and Sapphira and how Satan made his in into the church in Jerusalem through their weaknesses. And I talked to you about how the devil studies mankind to find our biggest weaknesses. And I'll add this week that he even digs real tough down deep in there to find our, we- our smallest weaknesses, I might add, for this week. And we talked about how, unfortunately, he is a master of doing these things, uh, which is how he played, basically, I, that's a word from today, a phrase from today, how he played Ananias and Sapphira because he found their biggest weakness, which was their desire to be exalted by others, and he lured them to lie because of it. And then the biggest part of my sermon, of course, I spent was on the root of their sin. What was the root of their sin? Pride. Pride. They wanted others to exalt them. They wanted others to lift them up. They wanted others to hold them up in high regard and be important in front of others. And that's what got them to lie. They wanted others. They wanted to lie to others and tell them, that, hey, look at all the money we've given. Wow. Pride is very dangerous. 
It's a very evil sin in God's eyes, even with the biggest ones. And I'm talking about homosexuality, adultery, fornication, if not even bigger than those things that God also calls in his word. He calls them an abomination. And the reason I say that, and I kind of formulated that just this week from Proverbs 6, 16 and 17. Remember we read those over last week and they were the sixth thing that the Lord hates and seven things that the Lord considers an abomination. Well, did you happen to notice what was the first thing on that list that God called an abomination? A proud look. That was the first thing that God called an abomination. God didn't call the first thing an abomination, homosexuality or adultery or fornication. He called the first thing that was an abomination to him a proud look. I didn't bother giving all the other seven things or all of the seven things because they didn't apply because I just wanted to mainly focus there on what God put first on the list. God put the first thing on the list, pride, that he thought was an abomination. So much so is pride an abomination to God. He says in Proverbs 16, 5, that everyone proud in heart is an abomination to him. Ouch. Why is pride so evil before God? And why people such an abomination to God? Because of it. Why? Because it keeps and stops people from knowing and coming to him. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 2 through 5. Jesus called the little children to himself and he set them in the midst of them and he said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little or become as little children, well what are little children? Little children are humble. Little children are loving. Right? But unless you become as a little as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, therefore whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is why, you see, people who are prideful, who are strong in pride, they say, I can do it without God. I can do it on my own. I, 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 and God and Jesus Christ are on the side. You got that saying? God always likes to rhyme things through me. I, 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 I. And God and Jesus Christ are on the side. That's what somebody with pride, with a lot of pride, that's what they say. They don't listen to his leading, nor bow their knee to his lordship. Prideful people are their own lords and masters. God hates pride so much because he wants people to have a relationship with him and and get on the path of eternal salvation. And until or unless they repent and they humble themselves of their pride, Until they turn to God and they say, here I am, God. I give it all to you. I I turn myself to you. I'm giving up my pride. They shall not come to him or they won't go to heaven. Uh, 2 Peter 3.9, God says that he wants everyone to be on that path. Now do you see why God hates pride so much? It separates people from him during their lives and sends them to hell after they die, away from him for all eternity. This is what pride does. This is what pride does. People think on that, and I want you to examine yourselves. Uh, Are you humble as little children and walking with God in humility? Or are you the master or the Lord of your own lives with God and Jesus Christ on the side? Of of course, until you need them. Well, that's not the relationship that God wants you to have with him. He doesn't just want you to call on him when you need him. He said, I'm your Lord, and if he's your Lord, he's involved in everything, every day, and you bow down to him. 
All right, let's start our new sermon, shall we? Message of our, our title of our message today. I love it. It's so special, and I'm going to get to give you how I got it and everything. God's given me a whole awesome message for you today. If today is about Jesus, why do we say Easter? If today is about Jesus, why do we say Easter? Now, Keep your fingers in your Bible on 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to be in verses 1 through 3 and Deuteronomy 12. Keep your fingers there, right? That's where we're going to read. I'm going to read there soon. But first, I have to say, of course, and I I don't apologize because, you see, if you would have gone to a normal church, they would have opened up the whole service with just a bunch of words, but instead we have a way we do things in order. You see, God loves order. But now I get to say, Happy Resurrection Day, everyone. He is risen. Amen. He is risen. Praise God. He's so good. And it's so good to be able to celebrate not only the death of Christ on Good Friday a few days back, right? The best Friday of the year, if I might add. Uh, But today, praise God, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from his defeating death. His defeat over sin and death. For although Jesus died, the good news today is that he also lives. Yes, he is alive and well today in paradise, and he'll return soon, praise God, to gather God's children and put an end to sin and death forever. Isn't God so full of good news? God's word is so full of good news. And I'm so excited to be a mouthpiece for God and Christ to be able to talk to you today about the meaning of Resurrection Day 2017, this amazing day, 2017. As for the title of our sermon, if today is about Jesus, why do we say Easter? If you're wondering about that, I'll get to the way the Lord gave me the title as well as the answer to the question of the title shortly, and I'll do that in my teaching. But as for why I am here today, I don't know about you, I don't know about why you're listening online, but as far as why I'm here today, I'm going to give the first honor and glory to the one of whom resurrected from the dead about 2,000 years ago on a day just like today. But in Israel, his name is Jesus Christ. And the good news I speak to you of today is precisely what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. So that's where we're going to be our first section of scripture today. If you want to turn there or just pop your one finger open there, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. Let's read it over and give all the glory and all the honor to Jesus Christ for why I celebrate this Resurrection Day 2017. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. Moreover, brethren, Paul writes, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Notice that's a future tense. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. It's the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the gospel. He wants to give us the gospel. Verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. Notice he didn't come up with it himself. He received it. We can't receive anything unless God gives it to us. We can't receive anything spiritual, I should say, unless God gives it to us. And really, on earth either. God gives really all things to all people. So what did he receive first? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he, what, he, what he just said there, he, he laid down his life for the sins of mankind. And verse 4, that he was buried, then they put him in a tomb, they buried him. His body was wrapped up, and it was put in a tomb, and he was dead. Wow. 
the king of all creation, was dead. And then, but that wasn't the end, and that he rose again the third day. That's why we're here today, according to the scriptures. Isn't that so powerful? Praise God. That is so powerful. For we don't worship a dead God. We don't worship a person. We don't worship a human being that was glorified by some people. We worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And why did he have to do all that? Why did he have to live? Why did he have to die? And why did he have to resurrect? We see mankind has this problem called sin. You see, and sin, which the whole world likes to dismiss away or say, oh, you know, it's just sin. And if I just do these good works, if I, if I can live this good, holy, righteous lifestyle, well, you know, God has a place for me in his heaven because, you know, God is good and God is love, right? But you see, God didn't look at sin like that. He didn't look at sin like, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll be good enough to get up here. He saw sin and what it really is, what I hope that we all see today, is sin is a plague, you see. Sin separates mankind from God. That's really what sin does. Because of sin, man is here, God is here, and God is here, and man is here. And sin is like this big void of, of nothingness that nobody can jump over on their own. It's impossible. Nobody jumps over sin and there's and this big separation, this big gap between us and God on our own. On our own, we'll stand before God on our own sin. And the Bible says that if we don't have the propitiation of our sin, that he'll look at us and he'll judge us according to our sin. Despite how many good deeds or how many old ladies we've helped across the street or despite how many wonderful, you know, good, nice things we've given people or anything we've done, if we stand before God on our own, in our sin, without God's propitiation for our sin, then he will judge us according to that sin and we will die and we will go to hell. Sin is man's biggest enemy. Forget about Satan. Satan is our enemy too, absolutely. But sin is really mankind's biggest enemy. Because of sin, we are separated from God. And God saw this, and God loves humanity, and what did he do? He took the form of a human being, and he came and he said, Hey, listen, I don't want mankind to be separated from me forever. I want to bring mankind to me. And I don't want them, I don't want them to just, when they die, I, I don't want to judge them on their sin. I don't want them to cut them off from me. I want them to be with me forever. I want them to be able to know me. And not just in eternity, but in our lives now. So what did he do? He, he took the form of a man by being born as a human baby, fulfilling Isaiah 7.14. Think of it. Isaiah 7.14 says that God is with us. Wow. How good news is that? God with us. And the scripture is true. God was just having me meditate on this the other day. I'm, I'm breaking off my notes a little bit. If God be with you, then it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. If God is with you, then nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, because Isaiah 7, 14, if you belong to God, God is with you. The man of Jesus Christ literally came incarnate, also fulfilling Isaiah 9, 7, or 9, uh, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, excuse me, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called. Listen to what his name will be called. 
This is the God that is with you. This is the name that he's called. The names, I should say, wonderful. Isn't it nice to have a God with us that's wonderful? He's not wretched or mean. He's wonderful. He's a counselor. That means any problem you have, any struggles you have, what do you do with a counselor? You talk to your counselor. You give the counselor all your problems. You tell him all your woes. He's a wonderful, he's a counselor. He's a mighty God. He's not just a God or some type of God. He's a mighty God. And he's also an everlasting father. He, his end is never, right? He's the prince of peace. And of, his, of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. See, he's a forever God. And he became mankind by doing what he did through Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, coming to earth, dying for the sins of man. He became our personal Savior and our personal Redeemer. Wow. And by his death, he, uh, he paid the sin debt that every human being owes. He paid the sin debt that every human being owns because we sin. And by his resurrection, he opened the veil between Jehovah God, the Father, and mankind, offering people for the first time eternal or everlasting life. Woo! If now, if, because you know these promises aren't for everybody, because not everybody will receive these promises. If, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 2, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, that is, if you come to be on the path of eternal life, if you repent, if you turn to him, and if you surrender to him as your Lord, if then you continue on that path until you die without falling away or falling into sin or turning away from him or turning your back on him and getting caught up in the sin of the world again, if you get on that path. If you turn to him today and say, God, I need you. Jesus, here I am. Take it all and surrender. That's what, he, that's what he wants first and foremost of all. And then if you continue on that path until you go to be with him in glory. God is so good and amazing, isn't he? And he's not also just good and amazing, of course. He's alive. He's not dead like Buddha or Muhammad or Allah. They're dead. They're dead gods. They're not alive. There's no power. Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. He's the only God that is. And that is why we are here today. And that's why you, if you're listening online or you got a CD of mine or somehow, that's why you've tuned in to me today too. And that's why we celebrate, I celebrate the resurrected and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, now that I've given all the honor and all the glory to my Lord Jesus Christ for all that he has done to bring redemption and eternal life to humanity, opening the very doors of heaven, think of it. The Bible says that before Christ came, the doors of heaven were shut. No one could ascend and no one could descend except for the Lord Jesus Christ. No one went to heaven. They all went to some place called Abraham's bosom, which was a place that wasn't hell, but it was kind of attached to hell. But the doors of heaven were shut. And then when Christ came, the doors opened. Think of it. Anyway, well, now I have three other parts to the sermon. That was just part one. I give all the glory and all honor to Jesus Christ, first of all. But I have three other parts where 
he's going to get the glory too, but just in a different way, because i got to unfortunately talk about some other things. One, some good things, and anyway, you'll have to be the judge. Next, I have part two of this message, and that's how the Lord gave me the title. If today is about Jesus, why do we say Easter? Then third, I will answer the question in the title, both giving you the short and the long in-depth answers for you that like to really dig down deep there. And lastly, fourth, I'll give you an interesting story, or stories, I should say, of some conversations I had about this day. In light of the details, I'm going to share with you about the answer of the title along with a challenge. That's right, I have a challenge to all of you. So I hope you're ready. Here we go. Second part. How did the Lord Jesus, and notice I keep saying that the Lord Jesus gave me the title, how did the Lord Jesus give me the title if today is about Jesus, why do we say Easter? Because that's actually a story. The story begins with Jesus Christ in the Bible saying, Matthew 21, 16, he says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And this is how Jesus Christ gave me the title. Background. At the moment, God chooses not to supply and provide for me through this church or through anything you give online or any of your gifts or your tithes or offerings that you send this church. Right now, God provides for me and my family and my household and even for the church through a job. I have two secular jobs. One is a convenient, one is a uh, hardware store, and the other one I drive school bus for a local school district in my area. And my babies on my school bus are no stranger to my love for my Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord even gives me opportunities to be a light to them as well as to talk to them about Jesus at, at times. Well, you see how the title came to me is there's this little boy on my school bus, and he's in about second or third grade, and his name is. I'm sorry, the law says I can't give you that. You'll just have to be satisfied with a little boy on my school bus about second or third grade. Uh, That's against the law. But what I can tell you about this little boy is that just this last week, Monday afternoon, he came and sat by me when all the other kids were getting off their stop. And, you know, there was something that he wanted to ask me. And shortly before he himself got off the bus, he says something like, "Oh, oh, yeah, Mr. Ed, if today is about Jesus' death, Why do we call it Easter? Now, he wasn't accurate saying Easter was about Jesus' death, but bless his heart for his question. I I knew exactly what he meant. We know that what people call Easter is not about Jesus' death. It's about his resurrection. But bless his heart, he was just a little boy, and he was trying, and, and he was curious, of course. But most importantly, praise God for what he was more than anything was he was seeking. And the Lord is answering my prayers because I pray for all my little babies every day. But out of the mouth of babes, God perfected praise because out of this little man's mouth, God gave me the title of this sermon. How? Well, as I sat there in my seat driving to my next school to pick up my next bunch of little babies, I really thought about what he said because what he said really resonated with my soul. It was just like it, it, it just touched me. Like I was pondering this question and because it was so good, right? I just kept repeating it to myself. And then I repeated it to myself like he meant it, like I totally understood. Hey, if today is about Jesus Christ, why do we call it Easter? I mean, that is a great question. And that is a fantastic question. This little man, second or third grade, asked me, right? And then if you really think about it, where do you get the word Easter out of 
Jesus Christ and his death or, or resurrection for that matter. I mean, you know, any right or anything in the Bible. There's no word of Easter in the Bible. There's no word of Easter in Jesus Christ or resurrection or death or anything. So it's crazy. So it's a great question, right? And as I thought about it and as I repeated to myself, the real question that he was really asking, it hit me. It dawned on me in a supernatural God way that this was really the question that God wanted me to present in this sermon this week. One that he did, this little boy didn't know the answer to. One that I've been asked throughout the years. I've been a preacher and one that many people don't know the answer to. And, and the more I thought about it, I realized that it was what God wanted me to address in this upcoming sermon. And then it was like, God was like, that's the title. Hey, Ed. My son, this is what I want you to talk about for this week. One that I have known the answer to from years or four years as I used to go to a church that was really good about talking about stuff like this. But I, and I know it now, but I didn't always. And again, not until I heard it at another church that I went to. And, and then I really researched it for myself. Then also, I didn't know, but now I know. And now God wants everybody to know, right? Uh, now, unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to answer this little man this day. But I did get a chance to answer him later in the week on Wednesday afternoon. God is so good. His mouth dropped open and he, he's like, wow. Uh, and anyway, this was the neat way that God brought me the topic and the title for today's sermon. In case you're interesting, interested in how we got the question to this sermon. That's, not, that's part two. Now we have part three. The question in the title, both the short and long answers in depth for all those that like to dig. There's a short answer to everything, but then there's a long answer to everything. And for those that have interesting minds like me, I like to know the deep answer, right? Sadly, you're really not going to like the answer to the question in the title, but it is the answer nonetheless. For the truth hurts. It's an old saying, and that is really true. The truth really does often many times hurt. Title again. If today is about Jesus, why do we say Easter? Well, I don't, by the way. I don't, okay? Uh, but the majority of people who celebrate it do. So the quick short answer to the question in the title is, because the church has let the worship of a pagan woman that people worshipped as a goddess into the worship of the one and only true God of heaven and earth and his son, Jesus Christ. Shocking sad and sickening are all words that come to my mind all at the same time. Uh, and that's why I don't call it that name. And if you love Jesus Christ, according to the truth of God's word, you shouldn't either. You should never call this beautiful, glorious day about Christ's resurrection, and, uh, about Christ's resurrection uh, Easter. You should never. Because we, we shouldn't want to give any glory or honor to a false pagan woman that people exalted in a wrong way, should we? If we're Christians, if we're real Christians, we should want to give the glory and honor to Jesus Christ, right? That's what we should want to do. If we're Christians, we should want to give all the glory and all the honor to the King of heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Bible says, every knee shall bow. Your knee's not going to bow to Easter because she was a real woman. Your knee's going to bow to Jesus Christ, right? So how does using the word Easter, that was the short answer, but now we're getting in a long answer. How does using the word Easter celebrate a false pagan woman whom is celebrated as a goddess? Well, the long answer, the origin of Easter. Most reference books say that the name Easter derived from the word astray or the name astray. 
the Teutonic goddess of spring. Although this is true in reality, the origin of the name of the goddess are far more ancient, going all the way back to the Tower of Babel, believe it or not. The origin begins not long after the biblical flood. After the flood, Noah had a talented but evil great-grandson named Nimrod, Genesis 10, 6-10, who rebelled greatly against God. The Bible calls him a mighty man on earth and a mighty hunter before the Lord, but Jewish tradition indicates that Nimrod was a tyrant. And how do we know Nimrod was a tyrant? Well, he founded cities like Nineveh. He, he was the chief leader and the leader of the, of the city of Babel. And we know that those cities were rebelling against God. They weren't godly cities, right? And at the time, he made all the people rebellious against God. And it's evident from the history that Nimrod was not only a political leader, but also the lead priest of a form of occult worship. Nimrod built and organized many evil cities, as I just mentioned above. When Nimrod eventually died, the religion he was, pro- he was a prominent figure in continued on. And guess what? His wife, Ishtar, or Easter, saw to that. Once he was dead, she defined him as the sun god, the S-U-N god. Later, when this adulterous and idolatrous woman gave birth to an illegitimate son, because his husband was already dead, she claimed that this son, Tammuz, that name may sound familiar to you, Tammuz by name, was Nimrod reborn. So Easter, or Ishtar, claimed that her son was supernaturally conceived, no human father, and that he was the promised seed, the savior, promised by God in Genesis 3.15. However... Not only was the child worshipped, but Easter, Ishtar, his mom, was also worshipped as much or more than her son. Nimrod, defined as the god of the S-U-N and father of creation, people then falsely exalted Easter, the pagan woman, to be the goddess of the moon, fertility, and etc., in the old fables of the mysterious cults, uh, their savior Tammuz was worshipped with various rites in, in the spring season. According to the legends, after he was slain, killed by a wild boar, he went on to the underworld, but through the weeping of his mother, he mysteriously revived into the springing forth of vegetation in spring. Each year, a spring festival dramatically represented this uh, supposed resurrection from the underworld. Thus, a terrible false religion developed in Babel with its S-U-N and moon worship, false priests, astrology, demonic worship, worship of stars associated with their gods, idolatry, mysterious rites, human sacrifice, and more. Frankly, the practices that they practice are not even worthy to be repeated, especially not in a church of God, okay? And basically, almost every evil and vile, profane, and idolatrous practice you can think of originated in Babel with the false Queen Esther, or Easter, I should say, Ishtar, who was never a god, the mother of Nimrod, right? And after Jehovah God, of course, God Almighty, came down in Babel and confused their language because everyone spoke the same language, and the people scattered from Babel with the different languages, they, of course, used different names from Nimrod, Tammuz, and Ishtar. Some called her Easter. In other lands, she was called uh, Istre, Astarte, uh, Oshtera, and uh, Estre, I'm sorry, I'm not real familiar with these names, but uh, that she was called other things, all kind of starting with E and all really kind of starting, you know, having the whole emphasis on the whole main name of Easter, Ishtar. Other names for this false pagan woman that people made a fake goddess include of, a uh, wife of Baal, Ashtaroth, 
and queen of heaven. If you're familiar with your Bible, this was the woman that they were mainly worshiping back in the Old Testament when all these other pagan lands, they, well, you, you, hear what, you hear Ashtaroth and you hear queen of heaven. You hear those names in the Old Testament. Well, this is that woman who was this pagan woman who now has the title or her name, Easter, who now, if that sounds familiar to you, where do we get the word Easter anyway? Um, anyway, this pagan woman was frequently worshipped as the goddess of fertility. That's important. And the sort of mother... Uh, nature and goddess of spring and sexual love and birth that was a little hard to describe to these little guys without you know and just a little i had a conversation with actually a couple little kids on my bus she was also worshipped as a mediator between god and man and listen to this this is kind of gross and sexual orgies and temple prostitutes were often used in her worship and of course, in trying to gain her, you know, attention or gain her favor, that's how people people would have sexual orgies. And oh, tomorrow, oh, you know, Easter, oh, and they would cry out to her, hoping that you know she'd recognize them. Well, ever wanted to know how they got the cute little bunny rabbit that came into place in the practice of Easter that we have today? The origin of the Easter rabbit, as a whole, globally, the rabbit is well known as a sexual symbol of fertility. Well, why? Why would the East, why would a rabbit be associated with sexuality and fertility? Well, you can finish the saying, they mate like, and there's a true saying to that, they mate like rabbits, and that's because rabbits have sex all the time, they're constantly mating, and bunnies are, and God made them that way, right? So that they could feed the, earth, the other creatures of his earth, because that's, you know, kind of how God balanced out everything out, right? There's prey, and then there's predators. Well, rabbits, God made them to kind of feed all his other creations on the earth. Well, that anyway, pagans have used the rabbit as a sexual symbol of fertility. Uh, and so the Easter bunny became a symbol of the pagan woman, Easter Ishtar, kind of like, you know, her mascot, you know, if you have a favorite football team or a favorite basketball team, right, they always have a mascot. Well, this would have been like her mascot. And the people today, think about it, in churches, they celebrate the bunny. They, they have, there's churches that have pictures with what they call the Easter bunny. I mean, get it? Easter bunny? Easter was the false pagan woman? And bunny, I mean, Easter bunny, her bunny, I mean, that's, that's what you see. It's pretty plain. It's right there. It's kind of sick, but that's, that's what we do. That's what people do today. Uh, just not thinking. And I don't do that thing, but that's what people do. And that's where the bunny came from in the worship or in the whole idea of Easter or the false goddess, pagan woman, Easter, same name. How about the egg? Well, the Easter egg, as people, not me, call it, uh, the egg was a sacred symbol among those in Babel. They believed an old fable about an egg of wondrous size, which was supposed to have fallen from heaven into the Euphrates River. From this marvelous egg, according to ancient stories, uh, the false pagan woman, Easter, was hatched. Get it now? Easter egg, and we crack them open. And so the egg came to be a symbol of the fate of the false pagan woman as well. The egg was also a symbol of fertility, as Easter was the pagan claimed to be the goddess, the people that built her up to be the goddess of fertility. The Easter egg is a symbol of the pagan mother, and sadly it even bears her name. You know, Easter's egg, that's how you could say it, the Easter's rabbit, or Ishtar's rabbit, Ishtar's egg, right? Most of that information came from uh, ChristianAnswers.net, but I've got something on my own, and even more disgusting is how the egg hunts came to be. This is very common knowledge among the pagans uh, of the world. The 
Easter egg hunts came to be because women in the worship of Easter, Ishtar, would go into the jungles and the forests and they would hide themselves. Well, because she's the sexual goddess of fertility, the men would then go into the forests and they would try to find the women. So the women were hidden. The men would go try to find the women. And of course, what did we say? How did they worship Easter? Well, with sex. And so once the men would find the women, uh, they would fornicate. And that's the origin of the egg hunts for today that people disgustingly call Easter. It's disgusting, isn't it? And think of the kids out there and they're trying to find the eggs and they don't have any idea what it means. They're just, hey, this is what, hey, my mom and dad say to this, what the church says is okay. And so they go out there and they try to find Easter eggs, which are, remember, Easter's eggs, Ishtar's eggs, really, that's, was just a, it's just a close resemblance to what they used to do with the sexual orgies. Christians today, Christian churches today, who say they preach and worship the biblical Jesus Christ, practice very similar rituals with even little differences. The same rituals that they practice worshiping the pagan woman Easter, Ishtar, Estray, whatever her names are. Think of your kids out there trying to find those eggs and think of now where it really came from. Think of your little children going about and doing that. All for the supposed worship of Jesus Christ. Where is Jesus Christ and colored eggs and egg hunts and bunnies and the word Easter? Where, Where is it all? Hence the question from this little man, if today is about Jesus, why do we call it Easter? Fantastic question. And it's all sadly scary and sickening to me. I'm not sure about you. Now, the third part of my message, I told you I had a couple stories about this, these, this truths that I just laid on your heart today. And I actually had about three or four and I had one with the little man. And then, praise God, he led that one to another one with another little girl on the bus who was sitting right next to him when I told him that one day. And she came up purposely the next day and was like, Mr. Mr. Ed, after Wednesday, she came up Thursday. Would you tell me what you were telling, you know, so-and-so just yesterday? And so I was like, oh, praise God, another conversation. But even prior to this, in the weeks past, we had a little fellowship dinner with a brother and sister in Christ. And then this kind of topic came up because, you know, that this day was coming up and Christians talk about Christian things. And so this, this lady asked me, you know, we were talking and I said, well, did you know? And I laid out her heart, all of this stuff. And, and her, her response was this when she heard about all this stuff. She says something like, oh, how terrible. If I had known that, I never would have let my kids practice all that. That was kind of the end result to that one conversation. And then another kind of a middle school girl on my bus, and after I told her that, she said something like, what? With a disgusted look on her face. Well, had I had known all that, I would never have gone into my church's celebration at Easter if I would have known all that. She was appalled. And then the little boy, he didn't know what to say. Wow, really? Oh my gosh. And and then as I look across even right now, even our very own neighbors who profess themselves to be Christians are letting their little kids out there collecting eggs for Easter. How about that? Now, ladies and gentlemen, 
The celebration of today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ as true Christianity goes is supposed to be for the praise, worship, and honor and glory of Jesus Christ and his great defeat over death by his resurrection. And sadly, everything that people have turned this day into from the name that they have given it to the practices that people practice on this day are straight up super, 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 super pagan and ungodly. And I put all caps on that. Super, super, super pagan and ungodly. How can I say that? How can I say, well, you know, Pastor Ed, we're, you know, we're supposed to reach out to people and, you know, the eggs and all that just, you know, this just gets people interested in, you know, learning about Jesus. Well, how can I say that it's super ungodly? Well, now you can go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 12 and we're going to get God's take on what he thinks of stuff like this. Deuteronomy 12, we're going to be two sections, 1 through 4 and 30 and 31. We're going to see what God has to say about stuff like this. Well, basically what they do, what people do today, is they use pagan rituals and rituals that are close to pagan rituals and use the pagan name of the false pagan woman to celebrate Jesus Christ, all in the name of getting people's attention to tell them about Jesus. Well, let's see what God has to say. Now, even though this is Old Testament, and I know God has changed under the New Covenant. Now, he didn't change some of the things, his ways and his desires have changed, right? But he's still the same God at the core. And so the same thing he said here, we can apply through God even to the end of eternity. This is what he says. He says this to the children of Israel, what we can also say to ourselves, verse 1. These are the statutes and judgments which you should be careful. Notice he said you're going to be careful to observe in the land which the Lord, our, your God, our, your fathers, is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. Now, see there, look at there. All the days you live on the earth. Well, that's pretty clear, right? This is what God wants all his children. If we're his children, all this is what we should be doing. All the days we're alive on earth. You listen, you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you have which, which you shall dispossess, serve their gods on the high mountains and on the high hills and on every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their false gods and destroy their names from that place. What do we call today? Not me. What do people call today? Easter in the worship of Jesus Christ. And you shall destroy their names from that place. Verse 4. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Huh. So he just said that we're not supposed to worship him with names of other gods. We're not supposed to worship him in the ways of, of people do their other gods. Go down to 30 and 31. I mean, the whole section is, is awesome, okay? But just, you know, for context's sake and for, you know, sermon's sake, 30. Take heed, be warned, my people, Christians, anybody that's mine. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, listen, how do these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. Be warned, my children, you better not do that. Don't serve me the way 
that the other people serve the pagan gods. Ooh, 31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Wow. Yet, people call the day of Christ's resurrection by the very name of the false pagan woman, and they worship him in almost identical ways that were aimed at worshiping her. Ouch, that hurts me. Going totally and absolutely against what God said in his word and absolutely doing something that God said not to do. How much more ungodly can we get? Not much. God says, I hate this, but you do this. That's ungodly, right? Now, sadly, I hate to tell all of you who are listening to me today, but whether you realize it or not, if you practice these pagan rituals and you call this day by the name of the false pagan woman Easter or Ishtar, you are worshiping Jesus Christ in pagan ways. And you're giving the honor and glory and worship to the false devil pagan woman instead of Jesus Christ. That's what you're really doing. But now today, you've got to understand you must realize this. And you must see these things for the way they really are. Worshiping God and Christ in the name of a false pagan woman, Easter, and worshiping God and Jesus Christ in almost identical pagan ways with eggs and egg hunts and the bunny and doing it all in the ways that God explicitly told his kids not to do. Do not worship me in these ways and the ways that the peoples of the land that you're destroying are doing right now and destroy their names from all the earth. Now, lastly, I said I had a challenge for you earlier. Remember that I, I told you I had a challenge. I said I was going to challenge you with something and, I, and well, here it is. The one lady that I talked to about this info said something like, if I had known that stuff, I wouldn't let my kids ever participate in those things. And the young girl on the bus said, uh, if she had known that, she wouldn't have been part of her, uh, her church's uh, celebration of Christ. Now, what about you? What about you? What is your response and your action going to be in the light of the info that I gave you today? The lady I spoke with, well, her kids are already grown up. And I can't be certain if she's still uses the word Easter, Ishtar, I, I can't be so sure of that. I, I don't know. But if she does, then if she uses that word Easter for today, well, if God said not to do it, then we, anything that we do that God says not to do, that's sin. Okay, so that's sin. And the young girl, well, I overheard her talking to her friend about how she's involved this year in her church's Easter celebration. That gives me a big wow because guess what? She just said that she wouldn't do it anymore, yet she was still involved in her church's Easter celebration this year. So how will you respond to the info I gave you today? Or all that will listen to this message till God Christ comes back? Will you brush it off? Oh, that radical. <laughs> Pastor Eddie, being radical. You know, and I, yeah, just yeah, dismiss him. You know, just... I'm going to keep on, hey, Easter's Easter. It's always going to be that way, and that, this is what I'm going to do. And that guy, he's a nutcase and radical. And, uh, and are you going to keep, you know, just brushing them off and, and brushing off what God said 
to do and what God said not to do and continue calling the glorious day of Jesus Christ by the name of the pagan woman, completely dismissing what God told his kids and even us today in Deuteronomy 12. Well, you can do that for now. You can dismiss me. You can call me a radical. You can continue in this sin because that's what it is. It's sin. And you can absolutely dismiss God and his word because you can refuse to obey his word and sear your conscience today. But you can only do that till you die. You can only do that till you die. You can in your life now, but one day you'll have to stand before him on judgment day. And, and if you say you love Jesus Christ and you truly walk with him, then the Bible says that you should fear the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Are you really fearing him by celebrating Jesus Christ and his resurrection, by doing that in pagan ways, calling this special day for him by the name of a false pagan woman, Easter? Come on, Christians. Come on. If you truly love Christ, then you should have a healthy fear of him and his word, and you should not... Uh, be willfully practicing Easter the way that the pagans did. You should use this day to draw closer to God in Christ by practicing the true ways he told you how to live. How, how are, what ways are those? You should practice worship today. You should practice holiness and prayer and evangelism and edifying one another, loving one another with your actions, bowing your knee to Christ, working on totally trusting in Him in all your situations that you find yourself in instead of worrying about them and being stressed over them. And just overall, getting into Christ's Word and, and saying what He says to do and doing it. This is how we worship Him and this is how we obey Him and how we give Him glory and how we give Him honor. And we got to work at obeying Him and all his ways. I, I close to you this way, my beloved listeners, with one more section of scripture, a section that fits exactly what I'm saying right now from the lips, not mine. I'm just repeating the words of Jesus Christ. And if you consider yourself a Christian, your Lord and Master, right? Luke 8. 19 through 21, Jesus is teaching and the Holy Soul, his, around him is so full, his mothers and brothers come to him, verse 19, and, and they could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. All right? My and God's challenge to you today or listening to me today is this. You've heard God's words in Deuteronomy. Destroy or put away the names of the false gods and don't worship me in these ways and don't worship me in the ways of the false pagan gods of the lands. And, and what Jesus Christ now said in Luke chapter 8. If you practice these evil and pagan and satanic ways, will you repent? This is my challenge now. Will you repent and turn to God and what do you need to do? Well, if you're doing these things that God said he hates, he doesn't want, you need to apologize to him for offending him and your sins. Because this kind of stuff grieves God's heart, guys. And then most importantly, what, what should follow true repentance, if it's true repentance of the mind, you need to stop practicing these pagan ways. Stop using that name for this great holiday of Christ, uh, meant to worship the e evil pagan woman, right? Or, or will you be like the young girl on my bus, who even though she was supposedly appalled and horrified at the truth, continued to be a part of what the church was doing to celebrate the false god or the false, people, false pagan woman Easter? 
And then if you'll take my challenge up, I have a secondary challenge. Well, you then even pass on the torch to others and tell other supposed Christians the sick truths of the pagan ways that the, the church has brought into this worship of Jesus Christ and challenge them to stop worshiping God Almighty and Jesus Christ in pagan ways, which again grieves the heart of God. What will you do? What will you do with the information that you have now from history? History will repeat itself, and it is, if we're not warned about it, if we don't take heed of it. And that's what history has done here. History has repeated itself in this great holiday of Jesus Christ. Christians, it's time for great repentance. Yes. Because I have this last saying. My famous saying comes from the Bible, but God gave it to me special. Wisdom is... Wisdom that's not applied is foolishness. Wisdom that's not applied is foolishness. What will you do with the wisdom that you now have of today? Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God. Dear God in heaven, for each of us has to stand before you on their own one day. And Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord God, that Father God, I'm, I'm staying the course, Lord. And I pray that all that are yours would that are really yours, Lord, would stay the course as well too. And I pray, Lord God, that, I, and Lord, I do believe that somebody can really love you and just out of ignorance, because we're only accountable for the light that we have in certain areas, Lord, I do believe that somebody can really love you and still have practiced this day the way that the world has come into the church and practiced this day, Lord. But I do not now, though, Lord, if they're yours, Lord, I, I, I pray that the info that you've given through my mouth today, Lord, I pray it would be like sand in their mouths, Lord, every time they try to use that word for this day. I pray, Lord God, that the conviction would be so heavy upon them not to let their children practice the worship of you with these pagan rituals, Lord God, which you said not to do in Deuteronomy 12. Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, that you'd convict the hearts of those that are yours, Lord, and that they would not be able to do these things and worship you in these false pagan ways. Please, dear God. And Lord, for those that maybe have listened to this message because they were curious about the question, Lord, for that don't know you or would say they weren't yours, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that they would just do like what we were talking about after our first section. Because of the great love that you showed for us, because of the great sacrifice that you gave for us, Lord, I pray they turn to you and say, it's all yours. Raise their hands up. It's all yours. And I pray they give you themselves and they'd surrender to you right now. Thank you so much, Lord God. And then I pray then, Lord, that after they deny themselves, they would then pick up their cross, which means that they would focus on holy lifestyle and living for you versus sin and then learn Jesus Christ's ways and then follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. I love you so much. We praise you. And we give you... Jesus Christ, all the glory and honor and praise. And we ask these things, dear God, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.